to down to down to. Yeah, missed and peeved. Miffed and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be missed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. I don't use it, but it's a real one. That's a real one. I don't use it. Is that in your vocab? Down to down. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, also featured on Dash Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me, back on the pod, Michele Barra. Welcome back. Hey, it seems like a year ago that we <laughs> had our last podcast. Like so many things happened. It feels like forever. Uh, the Thunder team has a way of like aging us <clears throat> in a way that no other NBA team can. Uh, so right now they sit at seventh in the West. They're forty six and thirty four, along with half of the other half of the conference right now. They're tied with the Spurs and the Pelicans um, currently, and they will clinch a playoff spot if they win tonight in Miami. Uh, and if they don't win tonight, then they'll have to clinch uh, on Wednesday night against Memphis in Oklahoma City. So, I mean, we're just hopeful that tonight's game is it and that they can they don't have to worry about beating Marshawn Brooks and the Memphis Grizzlies yeah Marshawn is scary I mean I remember <laughs> it's so weird <laughs> I remember when well he played uh, in, in Italy uh, in Milan they gave him like a huge load of money for European standards and he was incredibly bad like <laughs> he couldn't stay uh, in the major uh, competition which is EuroLeague here when he was couldn't this? stay on the floor I think two and a half seasons two and a half years ago three oh, years wow. ago uh, yeah he 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 was able to score of course he's very well uh, capable of doing that at, at any level probably but he was so unaware of everything like uh, happening on the court besides him having the ball in his hands so it is weird very weird to see him playing in the NBA again and seeing getting like a two year deal or or something yeah. like that from Memphis it is particularly weird yeah the the two year deal is is just it's like, oh wow! Like, why are you, why are you doing that? Like, he's doing some cool stuff right now, but you're one of the worst teams in the NBA. Someone has to score the points, and Marshawn Brooks will always volunteer. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about this Rockets game. The Thunder beat the Houston Rockets on Saturday night, one hundred eight to one hundred two in Houston, which they're essentially unbeatable in Houston this season. They have been unbelievably good at home. I think they'd won like 20 in a row or something like that at home. Mm-hmm. They, yes. they were unbelievable there, but the thunder came in, they were desperate. And so like, you can say the thunder were desperate. Houston wasn't Houston didn't play Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon. You know, I don't care about any of that <clears throat> because the thunder came in and they played really, really good basketball. The defense was superb. They really weren't hitting their shots. I mean, they shot, 39% from the field and to still win 
and score 108 points was, um, with only shooting 39% from the field is one, they were able to hit their free throws. Almost 79% of their free throws went in. And just the defensive effort from particularly a guy named Russell Westbrook made the difference in that game. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, even if you can say you can find like semi-justification why Houston wasn't uh, at, the, at his best, uh, the point that you made is crucial. I mean, OKC didn't shoot the ball particularly well, except for the first quarter when Melo went basically berserk and scored everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really unbelievable in the first quarter. It was a glimpse of what Melo can do on any given night when he has it. And But aside from, from that first quarter, OKC struggled a lot, uh, mainly because they couldn't hit open shots. Um, yeah. Abrinas was 0 for 7 from three-point range, and he played 27 minutes, mm-hmm. which is something that I never expected to see, especially him closing the game was... Um, was something so different from what we had throughout the season that I don't know what to think about it. And in the second thing, like Russ shoot the ball particularly bad, like 10 on 28. Mm-hmm. And if you read the box score and you read like the the, the final uh, points, like 108, you think the Thunder are losing this game. Instead, what they did in the last quarter of the game, what Russ did on James Harden, the last few minutes of the game was incredible. And, and you see, I don't, I don't think that that kind of effort, uh, is sustainable sure. on a full season. You, you, you cannot do that, but man, that kind of defense, if you show uh, those stuff 10, 15 times, uh, during the season in, uh, in, in difficult matchups, I think that you have, you're talking about a completely different season for OKC, which is the thing that actually makes me mad about the game. And in the same time, extremely happy to see that that is possible. Right. And and to me, it's one, there's like two things that I was, that I praise from this game, but also like make me infuriated about this season. One is Russ's defense because mm-hmm. like how many screens has he died on this season? It must be thousands. 85% of them. Yeah. <laughs> and to see what he did to stay on Harden and didn't just switch, like Harden, it took him completely out of his game. It got yeah. him to the point where Carmelo Anthony's blocking him at the rim, which is just like, I didn't even think that that was something that was possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it was unbelievable. So that's one that I'm like, wow, like the ceiling of this Thunder team is maybe a little bit higher than I thought it was. Because I just didn't think it, that at this point in his career that Russell would play the best game, the best defensive game of his life, you know, now. Like, I just didn't think that would mm-hmm. happen. And then two, it's the rotations. And it's the way that Billy's using these guys. Like, I, I think that we're seeing right now what Billy was going to do come playoff time. But they just had to bring it out early because, like, they have to win these games. And mm-hmm. it's, it means no Terrence Ferguson. It means no Josh Hustis. And it means giving Alex Sabrinas a bigger role and kind of diminishing, you know, Raymond Felton did, he played 15 minutes. He didn't get that many shots. Abrinas, they found him open several times. Like Abrinas, he missed seven threes, but he had, he was wide open for all of them. Like they're all good shots. Like those shots, if you can replicate that, 
he's going to hit, you know, three of those shots in most games, probably. Like he, like he, he, they got him great shots. And so like, that gives me a lot of like hope for what is to come. Is that like, wow, like they can find him and he can, like he's more than capable of hitting those shots for whatever reason. They just didn't go down the other night. Um, but the, just the rotations period, the way that he used Jeremy Grant, you know, down the stretch, like that creativity that, you know, I know what's going to work going down the stretch kind of stuff with Billy that we knew that he could do, but he really wasn't doing all season because he was you know, screwing around playing Terrence and playing these wacky lineups. But like he played the lineups that you're like, yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense for you to play, you know, Jeremy down the stretch and you to, you to play Alex Brandon's 27 minutes because, you know, Alex, for as much grief as he's been given over the course of this season, he really held up defensively the other night. And that is a huge development that because earlier in the season, you're like, you know, you can't even play Alex against the Rockets or, you know, any name, any good team. You say you really can't play him against those teams, but that's really not the case anymore. Like he, he can, he can play. And if he can just shoot the basketball a little bit better, you know, the Thunder blow out the Rockets. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, a particular reason why uh, Alex was able to play those minutes uh, part is is better on defense uh, in general. And the fact that he was wasn't hitting anything didn't um, change the way he was playing defense. Mm -hmm. And it is it is really, really, really important. And and second, uh, the Rockets has very few uh, guards that can post you up. And they don't like to do that. Well, Arden can post up everyone, but uh, like Abrinas wasn't really on Harden uh, most of the times. Even Chris Paul, he doesn't like to do that. The the, the way they play basketball, um, it's not really through post ups. And so, if yeah. there is a team where uh, Abrinas can play defense uh, at its best, which is like mainly a bit below average uh, in in terms of NBA standards, it's against these teams that don't have like guards that can post you up is definitely something that he can do. And so Billy, I think recognized that handy let him play uh, mainly because of this reason. Uh, and also because when you have a brilliance out there, no matter if he is 0 for seven, the closeout will come yep. every time because it doesn't really matter the, the, the production that you have in one game. Well, the defense know that you are a dead eye shooter, and so even if like, even after uh, this particular game, Abrinas is still thirty nine point five percent from three, which is very very good. And so having him on the floor, if you can maximize his time on the floor, it will make the rest of the offense work incredibly well. And I think that we have to mention the fact that Patterson played a very, very good defensive game. Mm -hmm. He was incredibly good in switching. He did a defensive sequence on Chris Paul, which yeah. is which was amazing. I mean, Chris Paul ended up scoring, but who cares? I mean, you forced one of the best ISO guards in the league to at least to show to have like two chances, not just one, and to take a contested fadeaway jumper from the elbow, which is literally the worst shot in the league after, like, on a big man, which is the, exactly the thing that you want out of uh, your big man. So I think that this game shows you that OKC has tools uh, to make it work uh, against good teams. I'm not saying it will work, because 
like consistency and habits are hard to die, uh, even if uh, during even during the bond season. Mm-hmm. But still, as you said, the ceiling uh, of OKC is still pretty high. Yeah. <clears throat> and especially there's one thing that's really encouraging is that they just didn't switch every single time that, you know, Houston set a pick. Because in mm-hmm. past games, it was just... All you have to do is set a pick, and boom, we got the exact matchup that we want. Here's Mello on, you know, James Harden. Here's Mello on mm. Chris Paul, and that didn't happen. They fought over those screens, and it gives you hope for if they do end up playing Golden State or Houston, that they're not just going to be able to ISO matchup themselves into whatever they want every single time. That they're actually going to fight for positioning and fight to keep the man that they want on, you know, James Harden or Chris or Kevin or whoever. Like they're going to fight for that. And I think that that's what they've needed to do all along. You know, that's been, even d- dating back to Scott Brooks, it's been like a problem with this Thunder team is when they switch, it's like sometimes it's just too much. And mm-hmm. it's it's just too automatic. But to see that they s- changed that, and they've changed it over the course of the last few games, but mm-hmm. like, that is a huge development. Because otherwise I feel like this team was just going to get killed. And they would get killed. They, w- they would have gotten killed on Saturday had they not have done that. Because... You know, Houston is just so good at taking those isolation step back jumpers or getting to the rim or getting fouled. I mean, that that Houston Rockets team is the most maddening team to watch. Like they just take mm-hmm. they take the dumbest shots and they just make them, you know, yeah. it's that's and that's what makes me think like, <clears throat> like, I don't like I think this team has been the best regular season team, but I just kind of question if they can win a title taking those kind of shots and maybe they can. Like they've been unbelievable at it. They've been historic at it. And and you know, hats off to them if they do. But, you know, James Harden and Chris Paul take some of the dumbest shots. They just they just go in. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah, um and good point about the defense because I want to have I have a note here on why both uh Mba Mute and PJ Tucker had that many those that many open trees. Mm-hmm. Um the rule uh, the defensive rule that uh, Donovan and his staff implemented is the following. Um Tucker was setting his screens uh to switch basically either Paul or or Harden uh, on Melo because Melo was guarding him. And so the rule of OKC is the guard fight through the screen and Melo hedges so it basically comes forward to contest the guard until um, say Westbrook or Paul is over the screen and he let uh, Tucker free himself up on the three-point line. So you give up a semi-wide, semi-open three from Tucker, but you keep James Harden or mm, Chris Paul in check. And this is why basically at the beginning of the game, Houston was still in it because like uh, Tucker uh, shoot four out of six and Bamute two, uh, two on two. Mm-hmm. This will not happen every night. And for during a series, you are betting, basically Houston is betting a lot of its success on Tucker, um, Bamute, and Anderson making trees in that specific set. Yep. And it's true that if you give that shot to Ryan Anderson, it's very bad. But on the other end, you have Ryan Anderson on defense, which is basically the same thing as Carmelo Anthony, maybe worse. So, the trade-off is really uh, uh, narrow 
and you have i think that okc uh show that you can limit the production on ball and harden if you do that specific thing on defense mm-hmm. and they had to do it because they had to win the game probably ideally you want to do that just in the playoffs so that houston is not prepared now houston knows that they will use that kind of scheme against them and so they will probably try to find some counter but at least you see that donovan and okc has uh, basically some hand to play they, they still have something to play um that is new it is not um shown uh for example they could really uh play a big lineup with patterson switching because we show that he can do that and they never do it during the season so I'm really, uh, I really hope that uh, we will be able to see some of this stuff because I think um, it will be incredibly interesting to see what they do. Yeah, for sure. And the, you know, the Thunder role players aren't going to shoot this poorly from three. They're three of 17 from three mm. the other mm. night. And two of those makes came from Corey Brewer and then one came from Jeremy Grant. You know, Felton didn't make one. Abrinas didn't make one. Patterson didn't even attempt one. Um <laughs> And so they're not going to shoot that poorly, especially coming from Abrinas and Felton and Patterson. Like if you can get those guys open looks, like they're, they've shot good percentages this season. They're going to be able mm-hmm. to shoot it better than that. And you're right, like Mute and Tucker aren't going to go six of eight every game from three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you bring in Eric Gordon and they're like, yeah, like that changes the equation quite a bit. And maybe even changes the Alex Abrinas equation a little bit too. Like maybe you don't play yes. Alex more if Eric Gordon is there. Like I, I get that. I'm not saying like the Thunder, like the Thunder are now better than the Rockets. Like I'm not saying no, no, I'm not saying no. that, but I'm just saying that they've shown the ability to compete at a high level. And that's I think that's something that we've questioned all season. Is like can they can they do they have another gear? Can they quote unquote flip a switch? And like this game is like maybe maybe they can <laughs> maybe they can yeah. flip a switch maybe that really is there uh because it, like you said like Mello was really good the other night mm-hmm. and then paul george played a good game too he was he has three of seven from three nine of ten from the free throw line he still had some of the worst turn like he just has like shacked in a fool dumb dumb <laughs> turnovers like he really yep. does and i it's and it's been consistent. Like that's just been a consistently yeah. bad thing about Paul George is that sometimes he, he just likes to dribble too much and he's not great at it. That sequence where he turned the ball over um, in just stupid fashion on one end and then goes on the other and fouls Chris Paul on a three that Chris Paul swishes like that felt like, Oh no, like momentum is turning. Here we are. Like, <laughs> that's the thunder that I've seen all season. Oh no, like I can't do this. Please don't do this to me now. And you know, it, they were able to keep it together. I think it's, it's a good sign that they're able to keep it together after a sequence like that, because that really was kind of a demoralizing sequence with the game being so close and to have, you know, turnover on one end, four point play on the other. That's like, ouch, like that was really, really bad. Um, but still being able to hold together was great. Uh, I think one more point I want to make on this game is Steven Adams. He played 29 minutes uh, and didn't close the game for the Thunder, but he did play well. He was 12 and eight, three assists, a steal. Uh, I thought he was pretty well involved with the offense when he was in. Uh, and I just, I just think more involvement with Steven Adams when he does play is great. 
But I also did like the decision to go with Jeremy Grant at the end just because of the way that this Houston team likes to play. Uh, and, you know, it's it's a lot different than benching Mello because, like, Steven, they won the game. I'm sure Steven was incredibly happy, you know. Oh, he doesn't those care. Minutes. He just doesn't really care, which is great. To have a player like that who is undoubtedly your third best player and on some nights easily your second best player where you can if it's for the better of the team like that's what he wants and so yes. uh he he's valuable in so many ways even even to the point where you can take him out if you feel like you know you need to go with jeremy and man jeremy grant like we were totally wrong about him earlier this season like maybe we weren't wrong about him in the moment but we were certainly down on him Yes. And he's just developed into a better player. Like he is just, I can't even describe to you how much better he is now than he was at the beginning of the season. It's, it's unreal. Like it just doesn't even make sense. Like players shouldn't be able to develop this quickly in season. Um, but he has, he hit a three. He was three or four from the free throw line. Just getting to the line has been great. And he's been hitting his free throws for the most part. He had two blocks. Uh, he, he's not only just like this emphatic shot blocker anymore. Like he has become like a deterrent at the rim. Uh, he ended up with 12 points on five shooting on five shots. I mean, he was, he's really good. And the Thunder are, you know, are much better with him playing and playing bigger minutes, 20 minutes. And maybe 20 minutes wasn't even enough for him. Like, I, I could see him. I could see a scenario where he and Mello basically split minutes in the playoffs. And I think that that may be the best thing for this team because he, I could see his role just getting bigger and bigger for this team and it being a helpful thing. Yeah. I can't really speak about Jeremy because uh, I have a game ready for you that we will do in a minute. And so I won't spoil like any hey, number. So but, do you want to go, do you want to do the Jeremy Grant game and then we can go talk about the standings? Let's do that. Let's, let's transition yeah. to Jeremy Grant time. I'd like to thank Andy's frozen custard for sponsoring today's show. They've got locations, Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, Colorado, Arizona, Arkansas, Missouri, Illinois, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Florida. I know we have listeners in almost all of those states. You've got to go check out their custard. It's made fresh hour by hour, and it's unbelievable. I love to get a concrete. If I get one, I typically get Oreo with mint in their chocolate frozen custard, and it's unbelievable. You've got to go check it out. They have their pretzel caramel crunch concrete right now as a special just absolutely delicious and you can also just get a cone with some vanilla on it and i promise you it will be the best frozen custard or ice cream that you've ever had in your whole life guaranteed it's that good it's that fresh please go check out andy's frozen custard today and support the people that support down to dunk yeah, I have, as of course, I have this fun with stats game, and to, today it is a Jeremy Grant appreciation game. Um, and so the first four questions are basically a true or false. And uh, the first three are post All Star game numbers. Okay, so okay. I just give you a sentence, and you tell me uh, if it's true or false. Okay. Okay. So Jeremy has. Uh, an effective field goal of more than 85% when he's open. So four to six feet, according to NBA.com. Oh, 
man. I guess I'm going to say it's true. It's true. And it is currently <laughs> on like more than one attempt per game at 88.5. That just doesn't, it didn't see like in my head. I'm like that, that can't be right. But it's, it, I guess it just has to be. <laughs> it, it, so, it is true, which is absurd. really astonishing. Uh, it means that every time that Jeremy uh, takes a shot when it is open, either, um, well, of course, uh, it most like, Dunks are in there, but also trees, which is uh, incredible. Like it, it means that every time that he shots, he makes one point, almost one point eight points, which is roughly two points per shot. Which is he does he scores all the time when he is open. Uh, it doesn't happen for any player. So like the the mean is around maybe fifty five, something like that. Yeah. So. No, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a crazy number. Like it, crazy it's like, number. it doesn't make sense kind of number. No, uh, it's a small sample size. Like 20 games, uh, it means like roughly 25, 30 shots. But still, uh, it is something <laughs> that yeah. I found really uh, interesting. Uh, the second question is actually on a um, uh, wider uh, number of attempts. And it is, Jeremy Grant has more than 65 effective field goals, so real percentage, when dribbles more than once. True or false? Say it again. So it is true or false that when Jeremy dribbles more than once, he has a 65% or more effective oh, field goal. True. It is true, again. And this comes for almost 50% of his attempts. So half of his offense comes from the dribble, and his percentage is 67%. It's those drives. I mean, he has become like a threat off the yeah. dribble, driving to the basket. And some of it is that I, th- I think that there's like three contributors to this. One, he's playing center and he can drive yes. past most any center in the NBA. Two, he learned how to dribble. Like he, yeah. he, he could not <laughs> dribble last year. Like he, he could not do this. Like he, if you ask him to do this last year, he could not do it. And then three, I feel like his body control is so much better than it was even earlier in the season. Like he has learned to dribble and to control his body better. I think that's contributed to his better shooting and his better finishing at the rim is that he like before he was like very uh, Corey Brewer esque in his, yeah. in his movements. Like not just, as drunky, not as drunky, but still <laughs> out of control. He, he's like Corey Brewer after two shots. Like that's what exactly. he was. Exactly. And he, he's, he's in control and I, yeah. that's, those are major developments. The Thunder really need to do whatever they can to keep a hold of this guy, whether Paul comes back or not. Um, yeah. Because he has developed, they have really done something with this guy. They've turned this like pure raw athlete into a basketball player and found his like niche role, which is like this weird like backup center, sometimes power forward that can drive to the rim and finish in traffic and hit his free throws. And he's starting to hit his threes now. Like this is, this is an extremely valuable player. Yeah. And like Fred Katz wrote a very, very good piece that you all should read. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he he wrote it like yesterday. Um, So it's easy to find on Twitter about specifically um, the development of Jeremy Grant. And he spoke about balance, about the specific training he did to do do that. Uh, But speaking of George, since you mentioned him, the third question is, is it true that Paul George shuts better than 42% from three 
when Jeremy passes the ball to him. Oh my gosh, it's got to be true. No, that is actually completely false. Okay. Uh, George shoots 9.1%. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. You're you're grounding me a little bit. I was just like, man, if that's true, like I just don't even know what to do anymore. But but the fact is he's the only one that shoots poorly on Jeremy's passes. Oh, okay. which is yeah, it is uh, I mean, um all the other players, I don't remember the list, but you should. You can easily check it on the um, passes dashboard of Jeremy Grant uh, in his page. And I found this number, I said 9.1. And then I recall that he was post-All-Star game where George basically shoot. Oh, just doesn't. So, so poorly yeah. that it actually made it makes sense. And especially he doesn't produce anything with the second unit when he's on the floor with them. Mm-hmm. So it actually makes sense. Um, last true-false question. Um, Jeremy Grant is in the, for the season, this one, so not also game, is in the top five uh, of rim protectors. And let me explain uh, how I came up with this stat. Uh, so, on, again, on NBA.com, you can go and check the defense, the defense dashboard, and they have uh, a stat that is called difference, difference percentage, which is basically the difference between the regular percentage on the guy you, you guard compared to the percentage they shots when you guard them. Mm-hmm. So say that for the season, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge shots uh, 65% um, when he's close to the basket, which is six feet or less. How that percentage drop when Jeremy guard um, LaMarcus Aldridge? And so um, using that specific metric, is he in the top five league-wise in uh, rim protectors? Wow. True or false? I mean, I want to say true since this is the Jeremy Grant appreciation, but I, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's true, but I'm going to go ahead and say true. Now it's false, okay. but it's actually barely false. Okay. Like Jeremy Grant is sixth in this specific, um, uh, say, uh, ranking. Mm-hmm. And it's basically 0.1% less than than uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, which is fifth. And the guys that are ahead of him are Zach Collins, which leads the league. Uh, in, uh, <laughs> That's absurd. And, and, no, it's not absurd. He when, when he was at Gonzaga, he had like crazy oh, percentage. No, no, no. I just, it's just, it's crazy. Like, I believe it because I, I was a fan of Zach in the draft process. Like I was, I think he's going to be great. It's just crazy that he's able to, to do it now. Yes. And the second one is Embiid. Which yeah. you actually can trust. Yeah. The third is uh, Derek Favors, then Pau Gasol, Aldridge, Grant, and shortly after Rudy Gobert. So you are really talking about the the best rim protector protector uh, in the league, plus the San Antonio guys, mm-hmm. where, which I think ranks in a specific category of their own, since they play like a completely different defense style, which helps their numbers and helps the defense. Uh, but I mean, Jeremy is effective as a rim protector. And this is something that I find astonishing because one of my beliefs was he's an okay defender, but he's so 
poor in in terms of understanding of his positioning and he really was last year mm. he wasn't able to to know when close out when stay put he wasn't able to really uh, stay uh, on the ground and not jump on everything that basically was passing uh, near him at the rim and during the season he really changed it and Probably all the on-off numbers doesn't say so, mainly because of the guy, of the fact that the second unit with George never worked out. Right. But Jeremy Grant is really taking his game on both ends on a different level. And as as much as you, like, the more you put him with good players, with a certain unit, the more the number look like uh, a competent uh, player in this league. Which leads me to the last question. Can you guess the rating of any Jeremy Grant lineup um, when Russell Westbrook is a playmaker and neither Terrence Ferguson on, or Raymond Felton are on the floor? Hmm. The net rating? Yes. Plus 12? It's plus 8.6. Okay which is very good. And the free throw rate in, of those lineup is 27.3, which is 30% of the time you, you run an offense, you end up shooting free throws, which is something incredible. And the offensive rating is 116.6, which is incredible. Yeah. On, on like, um, like a lot of possession, like we are talking about more than 500 possessions, which is something really reliable. And among those lineups, there is one where you have Westbrook, Abrinas, George, Grant, and Adams, which has a plus 30 uh, net rating. 118 and 86 on more than more than 100 possessions. I'm actually looking at is, that lineup right now on cleaning yeah. the glass. At th- plus exactly. 31.9. I don't a, remember the number of possessions. But I think 100. Yeah, 100. Yeah, which, uh, which is you'd like to have more, but it's still yes. like that still says something. Yeah, having good players that can get free throws and shooters on the floor actually happen actually help your offense. Mm-hmm. That is what it says, without compromising the defense. Yeah, and then you look at the Westbrook, Brewer, Paul George, Anthony, and Grant basically playing Grant at center instead of Adams, and they're a plus five point six, which is still good. One sixteen point one points per hundred possessions, so mm-hmm. it's it works. Like you can play, mm-hmm. and you know, and something that we said earlier this season is that you can't play Grant and Adams next to each other. Well, it's just not the case. It's just not, not the case. Anymore. He's he's changed enough to where you can play him at the power forward, and enough to where like next season, like like. 28 million things tell me that Carmelo Anthony is going to be back. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you start, if he was your starting power forward, like that would be pretty, be pretty nice. Like your defense. And if you bring back Robertson, like that defense, whoo. Yes. If Paul George stays and somehow you can trick Anthony in being, you can even like, as you said before, you can even split those minutes yeah, uh, between him or you don't even have to split those. You can play both players 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, it can really happen. And so if you're able to do so, I think that you have something uh, that it's, it's becoming special 
injured immigrant. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much it costs. Probably if he plays like this and for some weird reason, OKC can do like a run in the playoffs where like say they play 10 games or 15 games and Jerome will, let's say 13 games. So two play two full playoffs rounds and he plays like this, he will not come for cheap. Like he will no. get massive offers and it, it will be extremely hard to keep because to be fair, if George stays and Melo keeps the same amount of money and doesn't want to split over more seasons and you have Adams, you have, you have Westbrook, you're, you're speaking about like a gazillion millions in tax and there is like too many implication, uh, too many uh, financial implications, but he can be special for this team. Mm-hmm. And so I think they will do whatever it takes uh, to keep him. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, what do you think about Paul George's comments on, I guess it was on Friday. Yeah, I think that uh, I don't trust the word, but <laughs> I think that he said them for a specific reason, mm-hmm. which is the last thing we need now is the other 14 members of my team worry about me. So he's probably... Um, still positive about the possibility to remain see, to remain here. I think that the playoffs will count a lot on this decision, uh, which is natural. But I also think that with OKC struggling uh, in the last week, he wanted to, 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 to give a sign to, to say, let's don't, let's not talk, uh, not think about uh, my free agency. Mm-hmm. Let's stay positive on that. And let's bring some, like, uh, some positiveness in our locker room. Yeah. And I think that that is something that is, even if he leaves, is something that actually counted a lot for this, um, for the game in Houston. Because they went uh, out in the first quarter playing a relaxed game, um, free-flowing game offensively. And say that, that when prompt they say, well, I don't know, uh, I'm not really thinking about that now, like, the atmosphere can be different, like sure. on on the media side for sure, uh, and probably pre-game you have follow up, and Russ has to talk about it. Uh, Melo has to discuss it. Like every player has to discuss why George is saying now that he doesn't know, while he says, "Well, I still it's year one, blah blah blah," and then basically no media ask anyone else to discuss the thing because there's no need. I mean, George already said everything. And so I think it was really smart um, to say those stuff, even if it's not like entirely true that he's committed to stay. Mm-hmm. And it, it is foolish to think otherwise. He, he cannot be committed now. Like there's too many things that can happen. And so he probably he is probably okay. Uh, like he, the idea of staying is not entirely off of his mind which is already a good thing yeah the thunder i mean the thunder have a shot at keeping paul george is what yes all of that says in which a lot of people are just writing it off like everybody's picking their destination for paul george already whether it's la or philly or you know wherever like everybody's picking their destination for paul george as if he's just leaving and i and i think i, I there's something to him saying this is year one and it's not the first time he said it. Like he said it over mm. and over again over the course of the season. You know, this is just year one for this group. 
he even said that, you know, who, who knows who Russ Mello and I could recruit. And, you know, if you subscribe to the OKC dream team podcast, we talked basically for an hour about it on Friday. So you should, you should go listen to it. Cause a, a lot of good info from, from Royce and from Fred and from John on just the, the mindset of Paul George. Um, but I, I think there's something to him saying that over and over again, because I, I do think that he would like to give this another shot. Um, as long as like a much better situation doesn't emerge and in which case mm-hmm. we don't know, like, LeBron still could go to LA like that's a possibility. And if he does and they're able to position themselves to be a much better team and he can go back home, he may do that. Or yes, he may look at Philly and say like, you know, Philly could make it to the Eastern conference finals and push the Cavs to six games or seven games. Like that's, that's a possibility. If Embiid can come back and be completely healthy and they're great and good to go, like that's a terrifying team. And he Mm -hmm. may look at them and be like, Whoa, Especially, and maybe even if LeBron does go to LA and he sees like Philly say like, hey, look, like LeBron's gone now. We just took them to seven games. <clears throat> you come here, we're going to win. We're going to go to the finals. Oh, yeah. I mean, if Paul George goes there, they will go to the finals for several years. Uh, like providing Depending that they health. are healthy. Yeah, exactly. That is always the case. That's the biggest. We, that's the scariest thing for for Paul to hitch hitch his wagon to that to that squad. Do, do, do you want a hot take? Like a really hot take? Yeah, I, I wish I had. That, I wish I had my hot take button ready to go. But yes, I do. Uh, okay, it is. Even if Embiid doesn't play a game next season, they can be in the top three of the of the East with Paul George. Oh yeah, like yeah. they are. They are that good. The East is that uh, bad, and they're that good. They are the, exactly not the top one because, uh, well, if if like uh, Toronto and Boston, Boston runs, yeah. exactly without Embiid, I don't think uh, they can beat a fully healthy Boston team with um, Hayward and all the talent that they have. Mm-hmm. But still, like Paul George represents the best fit, uh, maybe outside of Clay Thompson for that group. Sure, like you 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 slid uh, you slide like Paul George instead of JJ Redick for starter minutes and you have like five guys on the floor that can defend at the highest possible level yeah. which is like they will be the greatest defensive team of all time probably providing Embiid is healthy because Simmons is a good defender uh Covington is a great defender George is a great defender especially when he's not the only one uh on the wing right. and so you have it right there Saric is good Embiid is awesome he, you you have uh, it is appealing. Sure. Well, you say you say that, but the lineup that I mentioned earlier for OKC, where you play if you play Jeremy at the four, like that could oh, also yeah. be. Oh that yeah, could, that could be the the best defense in the NBA easily. Which is uh, which was uh, the point that I was going to make at the end of this uh, Philly appreciation thing. Okay. It is <laughs> OKC has the the potential to be ready next year to do exactly close to the same thing, providing Robertson comes back Mm -hmm. and with a, with a year of experience with Russ that knows where you want the ball, where, where Anthony that is now, uh, more comfortable in his role and with Adams that is a year older and has a summer to improve. You have a Ferguson that can improve. So 
it's not that OKC is rotten good. Uh, it, it's it's not that. It's just they had many many issues in, in this season, and they but they showed like in many many times that they can be a very very scary team uh, for the postseason. Yeah, that it, it's it's going to be so intriguing. Like the the possibilities are so wide for this team. You can mm-hmm. see them going out in round one to whoever. Like, I don't care. Tell me whoever it is. I don't, I don't care who it is. They could go out. Like, it could be done. Or you could tell me, you know what? This team made it to the West Finals. And they lost to Houston in this many games. They lost to Golden State in this many games. They're like, oh, like that didn't really surprise me either. Like, this mm-hmm. team, they can be so many things. And maybe that's like the infuriating thing about this team is that they have so many possibilities. Like Houston has like their range of possibilities is a lot smaller. Golden State, mm-hmm. Golden State's is much bigger now with all the injuries and the way that they've been playing lately. Like they, they, if I'm Golden State, I'm a little concerned. I mean, I'm not like totally little, concerned, little. but I'm more concerned than I should be um, with that team. I don't think they're going out in round one. I really, I mean, I think that it would be a bad bet to, say that they're going to do anything but get to the West Finals. Um, but it's so possible well, uh, that they don't. Yeah. Say that they face uh, Jimmy Butler uh, and, uh, and the T-Wolves yeah. in, in round one, provided that Minnesota makes it. Uh, or OKC, provided they makes it. Uh, so these are not matchups where either Minnesota or OKC are favored by any means. Yeah. But things can go wrong. Like things can go awfully wrong in terms yeah. of uh, Golden State because they can they ha- they have like charters that are not completely stable in terms of their the thing that they can do on the court. Um, and I'm referring to either KD or or Draymond. Right. So everything can go wrong, and they are not healthy, which they were in their two runs, um, the title runs. And so, I mean, it may happen. And and say that uh, either of the two teams beat them, then you have a completely open run uh, for yeah. the Western Conference uh, final. And even that, I mean, the Rockets are amazingly good, but they have to prove it. While you know that Golden State, uh, like when Curry's back, oh. then Golden State, he's proven. Uh, they are proven. They 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 will bring it for the playoffs. You don't know it about Houston, and I don't care about all the national media saying, "Oh, how can you say that a 65, 66 uh, winning team is not ready for the playoffs?" Well, the Spurs won seven, 67 mm-hmm. two seasons ago, and they lost four two against OKC, playing like one very good game, one like close game, and then basically they were stumped in the three game that OKC won. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really different. And I'm not saying that Houston will not bring it because I don't know. I'm just saying I don't know. Well, and the Thunder almost beat a team that won 20 games more than they did in the Western Conference Finals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just don't bring it, don't bring it up. Like, I I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, it's it's possible. Like, the possible. <laughs> no, I know. The, it's possible. I don't want to think about that specific game. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was, it was crazy. Um, but a couple numbers, and we'll look at the standings, and then we'll be done. Uh, according to Cleaning the Glass, the Thunder are at eighth in points per 100 possessions on offense, and mm-hmm. then defensively, they sit 
um, at 10th. So yeah. they're top 10 in both offense and defense. Like that sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Cleaning the glass basically doesn't account for blowouts. Yeah. So um, the fact that that probably counts a bit in, in both categories, but still to me, the, the offensive part is, is, is maybe encouraging uh, when yeah. you don't count like the, the blowout offense. They're 11th um, according to NBA.com in offense and then 10th in defense. Mm-hmm. And then their 2.6 net rating is eighth in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty solid. Uh, and looking at the standings, we said that they're seventh now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the projections on ESPN on the BPI playoff odds in the Western Conference projects that San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, and New Orleans end up all with the same record at 47 wins. Um, so that would mean Oklahoma City wins one and loses one, and that would put Oklahoma City at one, two, three, sixth, playing Portland yeah. in the first round. So if they if they do tie with Utah, San Antonio, Minnesota, and New Orleans, the Thunder end up at sixth mm-hmm. among that tie. I think there's a good chance OKC wins both, and then we're talking about a fifth seed thunder so yeah i think that like to me there are two possible outcomes and i'm ready to be like i hope i'm wrong but either o two o or o two like these to me are the scary it is the scary thing about okc i think that if they win tonight and they will probably stump the, the grizzlies uh in a blowout win in a very good fashion. But if they have all, like if everything comes down to the, the game against the Grizzlies, I don't really know what to expect. So um, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, Marshawn. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, a very, a very scary Martian Brook <laughs> game. Um, but like, to be serious, I mean, uh, the fact that okay, if OKC uh, ties with Utah and San Antonio, which is the most favorable matchup at 48, with Mini and New Orleans at 47, OKC can still gain like half-court, um, oh, I sorry, uh, home-court advantage. Mm-hmm. Okay. And which will be incredibly weird uh, after the season they played. <laughs> no kidding. If they end up at four, which is still possible because, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Utah gets Golden State and Portland on a back to back. Like that's an, that's an incredibly difficult position for them to be in. So the Thunder could jump Utah still. Um, Portland, uh, I'm going to ask this question. I feel like I've asked this like 10 times. Would you rather play mm-hmm. Utah or Portland? Uh, that is depend depends. I think I rather play Portland if I'm if I am the sixth seed. I rather play Utah if I am the fourth seed yeah. and they are the fifth seed. Yeah, but that that don't I don't think it will it is likely to happen because it means that they have to tie with Utah and San Antonio and Minnesota have to win less than forty eight. Mm-hmm. So it is actually almost impossible during, due to the schedule that the, the Spurs have. Um, well, they play they play the Pelicans the last game of the season. The Pelicans are they're they're feisty. Yeah, that's yeah, a feisty yeah, bunch. May, yeah, maybe so. That in that case, if I have um, home court, then I will rather play Utah as a four seed. Yeah. If I have to give up, uh, well, maybe I'll go ahead and say 
I would I will more likely play Utah than Portland. Probably yeah. anyway. Probably yeah. anyway. Yeah, I, because agree, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Guards and so forth. I mean, I I don't want Melo to guard a hundred pick and rolls with uh, McCallum and Lillard because they will just play that. Yeah, and or being beaten by uh, by, by Aminu and Harkless uh, shooting like thirty eight percent from three for all the uh, series. Is Harkless back? Uh, I don't know. Um, maybe it will back during the first round. He had I, a, I, I just wonder because he had a knee procedure and oh. okay, he had arthrospo- arthroscopic left knee surgery and is going to be mm-hmm. reevaluated. So he, sh- he should be reevaluated this week, but reevaluated, mm-hmm. like, what does that mean? Like, it, who, who knows where what he ends up doing? Um, yeah, yeah, he's, you're right. a big, he's big for them. Like, he's a, yes. he's, a, he's a role player for them, but the fact that they have no depth behind him. I mean that's yeah. that's no, a, it's important. It's a big deal for them. Uh the Pelicans, uh like I said they play San Antonio in the last game of the season. Denver is like remains like the team that I'm like zeroed in on right now because if they win out, they can get in. And Minnesota, I mean it would just be such a catastrophe if they don't get in. Um, yeah. But it's still a possibility. Isn't it, wouldn't it be like the worst story in, in NBA, the fact that Rubio made it before Minnesota? Oh my goodness. Yeah, because Utah's already clinched. Yeah. Exactly. If, yes. That would be unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, Rubio's been good too. Like Rubio's, yeah. he's been solid. That yes. would be, that would be unbelievable. Um, I, I hope, I hope not. Uh, I do want to see, uh, since it's, very unlikely that they will face each other uh, in in any rounds because they will likely be uh, in different part of the of the bracket. Um, you don't really care about like basketball wise, but I I really want to see them play uh, in the playoffs because yeah. Towns deserve it. Butler is a great player to watch, and so I kind of root for Minnesota to to win the only they they have to win one game really. Again, yeah. and the one against Denver, uh, they can even lose tonight and win against Denver, and they so still can clinch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, they just need to win that specific game at home. That, uh, I mean, all yeah. eyes will be on that game, that Minnesota Denver. Yeah. But Denver still needs they need to win at Portland, which, or I guess yeah, it's, exactly. at home, it's at home. Um, yes, in Denver, which is why Portland. you're giving my chance uh, it's, because they are at home. Whew. I mean, that is, if you're a Denver fan, and I have one of my good friends uh, is a Nuggets fan, and he's just sweating bullets for <laughs> this like, whole like, well, two weeks. Yeah, they should, because they, they really need to win. They also need to win just that game. Yeah. Because whoever wins the the, right. the, 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 the game uh, on um, the last day of the, of the season will get in, no matter if they win this one or... Um, uh, probably, if Minnesota uh, w- wins and they lose tonight, or I don't, I don't know when they face Portland, then Minnesota uh, clinched. Right. But the, the playoff hopes of Denver are not gone, especially if uh, Oklahoma City doesn't clinch tonight. Right. So it's it's still they still have a possibility, but they really have uh, to to hope that either um, that mean, that OKC loses and to win that that specific game yeah it's it's interesting like every team holds their own destiny at this point yeah 
Like, if they win, they stay in. Yeah. Yeah. The Thunder have got to win. San Antonio yeah. has to win. You know, yeah. New Orleans has to win. I mean, those last, you know, four teams, or I guess five teams, really, like they just have to win. I don't remember like there being this many must win games for, for teams at the end of April. It's been absurd. And like this, like the NBA is just really strong. Like there's just a lot of good, solid teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you take a look at the East, like everybody's clinched. This is where you're like, man, this is, this would be a nice place to have these conferences abolished because, yeah. Yeah. you know, your reward gold, golden state and Houston for having incredible regular seasons is, Oh, well you probably get to play Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony towns. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which, is, which is not great. <laughs> That's terrifying. Or you play Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Stephen Adams and Carmelo Anthony. What? Like <laughs> fought all exactly. season to get this. I think yeah, the two teams that are like the weakest at this point are probably San Antonio and the Pelicans, like as far as yeah, like playoff but, opponents, but they're still good yeah. teams. Yeah. And, and you don't, you always have the fact that if Kawhi comes back, I know that is a big if right now because it seems that he doesn't, yeah. it will, will not come back. And speaking about like Eastern conference, I mean like the teams, the, the team that OKC will face tonight, Miami, doesn't really want to win. Like, if you are, say that you are an Eastern Conference team, say that you are Miami, and now if you win out, you're going to face either Cleveland or Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. If you lose out, you have like a 50% chance that you will face Boston or Toronto. Mm -hmm. You really want to win? Like, you want to face them, to face either LeBron James or the Sixer. I read an article uh, from Ira uh, Wasserman, which is one of the like um, uh, writer for Miami. I hope I spelled the surname correctly, although I am not confident. Uh, that says, "Well, you want to face uh, Philadelphia in the first round, really? Like what? I I would I much no. rather play Toronto. <laughs> like much rather play them, even if they are more solid. Like." Philadelphia can really play like the last 10 games are awesome. I mean, they, they, they don't just win. They play good basketball. Like they somehow included Bellinelli and Ilyasova and they seem like reasonable NBA players. Uh, Like Bellinelli runs pick and rolls, like Spain pick and rolls with, uh, with Simmons as a screener or like Ilyasova is back to be like a good defender who shoots trees at a very good clip. So they are scary. I mean, I I know that Toronto has the best record, but Toronto is not playing good basketball lately. Mm-mm. And you really want to pl- to to play that young team, which will have most likely fifty uh, percent energy more than you have, because they are younger. They are, they are. I know that they are not experienced, but they have good players, veteran players. So I don't know if Miami will go into tonight uh, with a must-win game uh, mentality. Not that this will kind of matter for OKC as we know, but I'm not, I'm not saying they will try to lose on purpose, but the game probably counts more for OKC than for Miami. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. You don't, you don't want to mess with those teams. You'd like to play a, a Boston team that is not healthy heading into the playoffs where like they're, they're obviously their top two players are out. Um, so Yeah. And then Marcus Smart's not playing. Who knows when he'll come back? He could come back. 
come playoff time, but he's incredibly important to what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would not mess with that Philly team. Like they're they're young and dumb enough to to not be afraid of the moment too. Like they're just yeah. It's that that's a terrifying team. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, Oklahoma City like they the hold the destiny of of their team in their hands. Like they could still be the four, like we talked about. If Utah kind of fumbles, you know, at the finish here, and they could like not just because <clears throat> they like screw up, but because they play two good teams, you know. And mm-hmm. Golden State has every incentive to try to be playing well, mm-hmm. you know, here at the end of the season to see if they can get some continuity with this group heading in without Curry. And then Portland, obviously, we talked about their motivation too. Like they could lose both those games, even mm-hmm. even with the way Utah's been playing. And so, like the Thunder could still get home court, which just sounds just ridiculous. Yeah, um, sounds wrong. But it'll be it's going to be interesting. Whatever it is, it's going to be interesting. Uh, McKelly, we can follow you on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Follow your project at Chart underscore Side. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. You can follow our podcast at Down to Dunk on Twitter. Thank you so much for taking this crazy ride with us throughout the season and just joining us three times a week. If, you, if you've done that, uh, first of all, thank you. Like It means a lot to us that you would take the time to download and listen to us uh, blab on about the thunder. Uh, but leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you have a chance. You can do it from your phone. If you have an iPhone, you can do it from a computer. Uh, that's like where it really matters for us is that we can get as many five-star reviews as possible. And so if you do listen to us week in, week out, um, and you benefit from that, just take some time to leave us five stars. You can leave a message too if you want. Not necessary, but it would just be super nice. Uh, please do that. We will have another episode on Wednesday with Alex Spears. Hopefully we'll know a little bit more about the the playoff hopes and uh, we'll be able to talk seeding a little bit more as well. Then the Thunder wrap up their season in Oklahoma City against Memphis on Wednesday. And then Friday, uh, we will have a playoff preview for you. Uh, we actually might drop it Thursday night, so but we'll see. So uh, please listen to those. Hopefully we have a playoff team here in Oklahoma City, but we appreciate McKelly for coming on, and we'll talk to you guys again Wednesday.